Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. We are going to reboot our children's ministry today after a long, long time. The children have been, been with us and it has been a pleasure to have them with us and I want to tell you why. Because your children have been sitting in the front row and they've not just been listening to the word of God, they have been taking notes. Notes. And the reason I'm showing this to you is because I want you to be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> because you big people sit over here and you kind of hear the word of God, but you don't take down notes. And I want to kind of let you know about the kind of notes that these people take. What's your name? Kiefer. How old are you? Seven. Really? How old is he? These are the notes you took of the last time I preached. Seven steps. Step one, conversion. Say, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for my life. God is holy. Say, sorry, God. I cannot do it by myself, but by conversion, I can do everything. You can always trust God to say, I need conversion every day. And when you do this, God will bless you. Now, part of my heart wants to tell you to stay. But I think that God can do even better things when you go and pray with your kids, okay? So I'm going to excuse all of you here today. And in fact, for the rest of our meetings, you're going to have your own children's ministry. So, vamos, and put your hands together for them. Are you ready for some powerful word of God today? Yes. Are you prepared to have your lives turned upside down? Yes. Are you ready to be shocked out of your wits? Would you like me to shout at you again? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not going to shout at you today. I've transformed. I've turned over a new leaf. So today I'm going to talk to you nicely and I'm going to talk to you about things I believe all of us should hear. You kids seriously not going? Okay, all right. Okay, stay. And how old are you? Five. Five. Okay, all right, I'm not saying anything more. <clears throat> I'm going to go straight to my talk because we're running a little late already. Can you guess what my favorite invention of this century is? No, not the iPad, but you're close. It's something called GPS. Do you know what a GPS is? I love the GPS and I'll tell you why, because whenever I get lost, and nowadays I get lost a lot, the GPS helps me to find where I want to go. 
Last week, I took my car for servicing and I didn't know the way from there because this was in some place in Dubai I'd never heard of before. So I turned the GPS on and it guided me out of this place towards the way home. Suddenly on the way, I found a traffic jam like you will not believe and I knew it would take me at least 30 to 40 minutes to get out of that stretch of road. So I looked at my GPS to see, you know, if my GPS would tell me anything. And you know what my GPS did? It actually told me to take a right. So I took a right and I entered suburbs of some place. And there was no traffic on the road. And it took me this way and that way and that way and that way. And finally it brought me out to a place that was five minutes from my home, saving me at least one hour on the road. Clap your hands for the GPS. What an amazing invention, don't you think? Not only does it help you to get home when you know your way home, it helps you to get to the place where you want to be. So whenever I travel, and you know I travel a lot, all I need to do is have my handy GPS around and my GPS will tell me, take me exactly where I want to go. Isn't it fantastic? Let's clap for the GPS again. Now, wouldn't it be lovely to have a GPS like this for our lives? For some system to take us where we need to go. Because I'm telling you, a lot of us don't know where we want to go. And if we know where we want to go, we don't know how to get there. Sad, no? Which is why a lot of us in our lives right now, at this very moment in time, are looking back at the past and saying, oh, I wish I'd taken this route, or I wish I'd gone that way, or I wish I'd taken this decision. I know a lot of couples are saying that at this very moment. <laughs> it is not a laughing matter, though, because don't you wish that when you were getting married, you had somebody to guide you? Somebody to tell you what you need to do. Somebody to tell you how to discern which spouse you need to go in for. Now for those of you already married too late. You're stuck. Say I'm stuck. For better or for worse. I am. Is that your husband? Are you blessed too sir? Yes very much. Good. Good. It is nice when both husband and wife say they are blessed instead of one person saying I'm blessed and the other one going, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm glad all of you are blessed and I want everybody to be blessed, especially those who are about to get married or going to get married in a few years. Because we need a guidance system in our lives. When we are in Bombay or when we are in India or some part of the world and we want to look for better prospects, it would be nice if we had a guiding system that told us where we need to go and what we need to do. When it comes to studying something, when it comes to deciding what we want to do for our future, it is nice to have a guiding system that helps us in making the right decision. When we're deciding what to do with our money, what money? When we are deciding what to do with our money, it is useful to have someone to be able to tell us where to invest it in how much to invest, what to do with it. Every moment of our lives, if you look at it, involves taking one decision or another, and it would be wonderful to have a GPS for our lives. Don't you agree? Well, the good thing is we have a GPS, and it's God's guiding system. G-G-S. Put your hands together for G-G-S. 
Now it is wonderful how God's guiding system works and I'm gonna show you five methods in which to make this work, okay? And those are listed over here one by one. Can we have them one by one? And I want you to say it one by one. Commanding scripture, say commanding scripture. Two, compelling spirit. Three, common sense. Have you heard of that? All right, four, counsel of the saints. And five, circumstantial signs. We're gonna go uh, through these one by one and I have a feeling I might offend you from time to time. Please forgive me in advance. Although actually I couldn't be bothered. You know why? Because I like to offend people sometimes. Because when you offend people, they kind of take you seriously. If you only make them laugh all the time, they kind of take you for a joker. And I'm not a joker. Do I look like a joker to you? Say no. All right. Thank you. One commanding scripture. Last week, I didn't preach here. I was to come, but I couldn't make it. And there was a preacher who attended the meeting. A very anointed man of God who has been a missionary, who's been traveling around the world, not to rich countries like a lot of preachers do, and not preaching to Christians who already know the gospel like a lot of preachers do, but going to poor countries and preaching to people who hadn't heard the gospel. He came for the meeting, and I don't think anybody knew he was there because they wouldn't have recognized him even if they knew he was because he's very, very quiet, very, very silent. He came to the office to meet me the following day and I asked him how the meeting was. Now if I ask you how the meeting was, what would you say? Oh, it was great. You know what he said? He said there are a couple of things I didn't like. I didn't like the worship and I didn't like the preaching. And I went, okay, what didn't you like about the worship? And he said it was too short. And then I said, what didn't you like about the preaching? And he said, the preacher said something that she shouldn't have said. And we continued talking. I didn't take offense. I don't take offense at these things because I kind of like it when people are honest with me because when people are honest with me, then I can fix things that are wrong. So we continued talking. We spoke about a lot of subjects. And almost everything that he said was very blunt and to the face. And I found a part of me getting edgy. You know what it is like when someone keeps speaking the truth to you? You know, you start to squirm inside. And I said, this is really cool. I'm, I'm peculiar, okay, I like to squirm. Don't ask me why. I said, I want to make everyone in my community squirm as well. So I asked him if he'd like to give a talk to the people in our schools of discipleship. And he said, yes. So invited everyone, and I said, whoever comes up, comes up. In my letter to them, I warned them not to take offense at anything this speaker said, because I knew what he would say would be offensive. How did I know that? It's just the kind of person he is. What kind of a person is that? I'm gonna tell you in a moment. What am I wearing? A white shirt and a black pant. Do you ever wonder why I always wear white and black? Because it symbolizes what I believe in, that everything is either black or white. I don't like gray at all for my life. 
Everything is either right or wrong. There's heaven or hell for my life. But when it comes to the lives of other people, I tend to be tolerant about the grays because I understand that not everybody can be black and white. I understand that some people struggle with a lot of things. I understand that sometimes people find it hard to call something a sin because it is very difficult to deal with it in a way that God would be happy. So I tolerate grace. This man doesn't. Not for himself and not for anybody else. He says, this is black and this is white. This is heaven, this is hell. You're either going to one place or you're going to the other. You can't go to both and you choose. Now, how do you go to heaven? By doing everything that scripture commands, commanding scripture, by doing every single thing that God says you need to do without compromising at all. And then he spoke about people who are in financial difficulties. He says, people come to me in financial difficulties and they ask me to bless them. And I say to them, how can I bless you when God has cursed you? And I went, oh, oh. I turned to look around at everybody and everybody in their heads were going. Say, oh, oh. They were squirming because they didn't quite understand what he was saying. But I, on the other hand, like to squirm. And I thought about what he said. And the more I thought about what he said, the more I realized it made sense. Because I'm going to take you to the book of Malachi. Have you heard of him? He's a prophet from the Old Testament. And this is what he says, okay? Now I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. And then I want you to tell me whether you think that that preacher was right or that preacher was wrong. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. You have turned away from my laws and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how do we return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You don't tithe. 
How do I know you don't tithe? Because I don't see any of you giving anything. I have never spoken about this before for the same reason that I don't speak about a lot of things to you. But then when you have a preacher who comes like this, stands in front of people and talks to them about the word of God and tells them, you want to be blessed? I am not going to be the one blessing you when God has put a curse upon you. And when you read the word of God, you see truly God has cursed people who do not tithe. Because there are people who think they're the ones who earn the money, everything belongs to them and nothing is owed to God. So you rob God when you don't tithe. And what does God do? He curses you. So when you come to me and say you're struggling financially, how can I pray over you? That is what his question was. And it is my question to you as well. Next time you are struggling with your finances, don't come and ask me to bless you because how can I bless what God has cursed? Now you might say, but this is old covenant. You might say, this is not the New Testament teaching. You might say, Jesus overturned everything and I don't really need to tithe. I don't need to do anything what the old covenant says. But listen to what Jesus says, okay? This is Luke 10, 42, when he is calling the Pharisees like I'm scolding you now. He says, woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. He's saying you don't get to choose what you want to do. You practice both because both are required of you. This is the word of God. Commanding scripture. God doesn't give you a choice in what you are supposed to do. He tells you do it. And you either do it and you walk the path of heaven or you don't do it and you say God I don't care about you. I was listening to another preacher yesterday and he said people don't really believe in anything because you can tell what a person believes in by what he does. You cannot say I believe in tithing and not tithe because if you don't tithe it means you don't believe in it. You can't say I believe in making disciples of all nations when you don't make a disciple of a single nation and say you believe in it. And when you look at all these things that you say you believe in but you don't do anything, what are you ultimately saying? You're saying, I don't believe in Jesus. Because if you believed in Jesus, you would do what he said. You would do what he asked you to do. Every single thing. This is what this preacher did to me. He said, you live black and white. This is God talking to me now. What about the people you preach to? They all live in grace. They all choose what they want to follow and what they don't want to follow, they will discard. Which means if it's convenient for them, they will not sleep with anyone else's wife. But when no, no one's looking, they will sit in front of their computer watching porn. What takes you to hell if you so much as look at a woman with lust in your eyes? And when you're watching porn, what are you doing? You're watching whatever you're watching with only lust in your eyes. You're possessing them. You're coveting them. You're breaking the commandments of God. And nobody talks about the commandments. So I'm going to talk about the commandments today. I'm going to talk about one of them. The third commandment. Anyone knows what it is? 
Say it loudly. Kiefer knows it. Yeah. What does that mean? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay. How many of you? Don't raise your hands. Keep the Sabbath day holy. It's right on top of the list of commandments. Here in this country, you're given a choice of three days. It's the only country in the world we're allowed to do this. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's just talk about Sunday being the Sabbath, but it can be Friday for you, Saturday for you. You pick. How many of you keep the Sabbath day holy? Which means how many of you do not work at all on the Sabbath day? Let me first acknowledge my own guilt before you first, before I say anything else. I'm what they call a workaholic. I don't know what to do except to work. And so come any day of the week, I have to work and I'm growing God's kingdom. But when you're confronted with truth like this, then you say it's either you do what God tells you to do or you disobey God. And you know what? I disobey God. Thank you, son. How many of you disobey God? So you say, but I have to work on the Sabbath. I have to cook on the Sabbath. If I don't cook, then how is anybody going to eat? I have to wash the dishes, otherwise the kitchen is going to smell. I have to go to work. And if I don't go to work, I will get fired. Is there anyone here who really, 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 really does not do anything on the Sabbath? But this is what God commands you. And why does he command you? Because this is part of his covenant promise with us. He says, if you keep my commandments, I will bless you. And you don't choose which commandments to keep and which not to keep. You keep every one of them, including this one that says, you shall keep the Sabbath holy. Now for all those of you wondering how this is shaking you, I'm telling you, you will never ever be able to face another Friday or Saturday or Sunday the same again. You will think about the words that I've said. That is what commanding scripture is all about. It commands you. And you either obey or you disobey. And if you disobey, you're basically spitting on the face of God. How many of you want to spit on the face of God? You can do right now. Tell me to go to hell. Or you can say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna cook the previous night. For students who have to study, for students who have to do homework, I will do my homework. I will complete it the previous night. You need to polish your shoes. I will polish my shoes the previous night. You need to keep the kitchen clean. I will keep it clean the previous night. Now I will tell you what happens when you do this. You realize that that day is special. That that day is set apart from all the other days because that is the day when you're going to do one thing and one thing only. You're going to honor your Lord, your God. I remember when I was growing up, you know, in the days when I still believed in God. Saturday evening was very special. You know why? Because I'd go to sleep at night knowing I'd wake up in the morning and I'd dress up in my, in my best clothes and all four of us in my family would go to church and we'd have such a wonderful time there. And after that, we knew Sunday was going to be different. We didn't have to work. We, we could just play. We could just do whatever we wanted to do. And what a beautiful thing that was. And look at us now. We work six days a week and we work on the seventh day also. And we never get time for the rest. 
and worship that God intended us to have. Think about it for a moment. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And I'll tell you things that happen when you keep the Sabbath day holy. One, you honor God's commandments. Two, you get a chance to worship God in community with people around the world. You show God that you're praying as one family. Doesn't matter if you're in America. Doesn't matter if you're in England. It doesn't matter if you're in India. It doesn't matter if you're here. You're praying to God as one community. Three, you get to rest. What an important thing rest is. God rested and he wanted us to rest. You know when he gave the Israelites the commandments? After he led them to freedom from Egypt where there were slaves for all these years. And he was saying, consider the Sabbath as a sign of your freedom when you don't need to work anymore for anybody. Are you listening to me? For you acknowledge when you give this day to God that it's not only money that you tithe, you tithe your time as well. And five, you give importance to your family. And you know why families are breaking up all over the world today? Because we don't have time for them at all. And once again, who is guilty of this? Let me acknowledge my failures in front of all of you. And let me say to God in front of you that I am sorry. And let me say also to my daughter who's somewhere here, where is she? that I'm sorry. This is the first time she's here for a long time. She was studying in America and she's joined us here today and I'm glad that I have an opportunity to apologize to her and my family for not giving them the time that they needed from me. All of you have my time, they didn't. I'm gonna do something about that. Now that's what I'm gonna do. The question is, what are you going to do? Are you with me? The word of God is harsh. The word of God convicts. But not only you, it convicts me as well. Preaching over here, the responsibility on me is a hundred times more than the responsibility is on you. But the only difference maybe that exists between you and me is when I hear God telling me to do something, I do it. You hear God talking to you today, what are you going to do? Let's move on, otherwise we'll never finish. Compelling spirit. Say compelling spirit. I don't have a watch on me. Somebody tell me the time. Nine o'clock. Oh, wow. Can I continue this next week? Because I'm not going to finish it this week. And I don't want to rush through it. All right. Compelling spirit. Say compelling spirit again. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22. We find Paul writing that he's compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, even though he doesn't know what to expect over there. The Spirit sometimes compels us to do things, even against our will. Now, I'm pretty sure Paul at this time had his own ideas about where he wanted to go, but he was compelled by the Spirit to go to a certain place. He obeyed. I was not supposed to preach on this subject today. As you probably know, those of you got my emails, got a message saying that I was going to speak about something called, what was it? Take heart. See, I even forgot what I was supposed to talk about. Why did I change it? At the beginning of every year, I start a Bible program where you kind of read the entire Bible over the course of a year. And this time, 
I chose a study by a guy called Nicky Gumbel, okay? He's the founder of Alpha Program, and it's a very, very successful program, and Nicky is a very, very anointed man of God. I realized he was anointed when I started reading his reflections, which were truly wonderful. And I have no problem with praising other preachers when they're really good, and he's one of them really, really good people. In April, I came across something about the guiding principles of God, exactly what I'm talking about now, and I heard the Spirit tell me, I think you should speak to your people about this, because they need to listen to it. And I said, I'm not going to steal somebody else's material. You know, I'm proud, right? I mean, can you imagine me stealing somebody else's stuff? He said, you don't have to pass it off as your own. You tell them that it's from Nikki. But you have to remember that I gave it to Nikki. And if you get it through Nikki, it's like I'm giving it to you. And I ignored it. Okay, I said, forget about it, Lord. And weeks went by. Yesterday, I sent this message to you saying I was going to talk to you about take heart, about how to take heart in difficult situations. And once again, I heard the Spirit say to me, Anil, I think you should do the talk of Nikki's instead of doing the talk that you want to do. And this time, I felt an extra heart push. And I knew when I felt that push that this time, the Spirit was not messing around. He was giving me an order. He was saying, you need to do this. So I said, okay, Lord, I will do it. And I'm so glad that I'm doing this because I'm telling you, if I'd done the other talk, there would have been zero anointing. And this talk, I can feel the power of God. Can't you? And I also believe that God is going to do something great because of what he's teaching you here today. The Spirit compels, the Spirit urges, the Spirit sometimes moves you in a certain direction. And when you're journeying through life, especially a spiritual journey, you have to trust that movement of the Spirit. He guides you. He talks to you. Now, how do I know He talks to you? Because Scripture says He talks to you. John 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father to give you another counselor. And this counselor who will be with you forever will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. That the Spirit will teach us everything we need to remember. When you get a phone on your mobile, now this is about how to listen to the Spirit. And let's say you don't get a number on your phone, okay, which is kind of strange for these days, but you know it's your wife calling you when she says hello, right? Even though it doesn't say wife on the phone. Yes? Why is that? Because you know the person. Because the person has said hello to you so many times, you can recognize the person's voice instantly. Jesus is like that. And he wants us to get into a relationship with him where we can recognize his voice instantly. My sheep Hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And when we listen to the voice of God, what happens? We can hear the things that God is telling us. We can hear the direction he's pointing us into. We can hear him tell us, don't do this or do this. And then all we need to do is to trust in his grace to give us the courage we need to do it. 
Very often we don't do it. Now I want to give you a very funny example. How many of you have ever been to the doctor? So let's see those hands go up. No. This time I'm telling you because I'm not going to embarrass you. All of you go to the doctor? I'm going to give you a scene. Okay, imagine this scene. Right? You be the doctor, Kiefer. All right? You look like a doctor too. You look like a Harry Potter doctor. But yeah, you want to be the doctor? Okay, both of you be doctors. You, all of you want to be doctors? No. You be quiet. You sit down over there and, and be a patient. So, and be patient too. Thank you. So you go to the doctor. Doctor, stomach pain, stomach pain. Last night I went and I ate something and I think it was bad. And since then all I've been doing is, is, make, is, 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 is doing that. And Lord, what, and doctor, what did I do? I decided to go to the chemist and I took some medicine. And I took that medicine and popped four tablets. And what has happened? I've only got worse, doctor. You're going to heal me, aren't you, doctor? Thank you so much, doctor, for listening to me. And you walk out. Would you do that? Why? Because you would want the doctor to look at you, to give you a checkup, to give you some proper medication. And I hope you know where I'm going with this. You know what we do with Jesus? We do the same thing with Jesus, what I just described. We go to Jesus and we tell him all our problems. Okay? And then instead of sitting down and waiting for him to talk to us and tell us what we need to do, we say, okay, thank you, Lord. I'm going. See you tomorrow. Isn't that true? For most of us, I'm telling you, this is exactly how it happens with Jesus. Jesus wants to talk to us. Jesus wants to advise us. Jesus wants to guide us. But all we are interested in is letting him know that we need the guidance, but not bothering to see what he says about the guidance that we need. Are you all listening to me? So what's going to have to change? What's going to have to change? You're going to have to sit down quietly and listen to him. And how is he going to talk to you? How many of you have Bibles over here? Please stand up. Shame on the rest of you. I got no words to say it but like that. All those who are standing, take a good look around you. Why do I want you to take a look around? Because these people are all coming. To get blessings from God. But not willing to carry that one thing that is going to tell them how to get blessings. Because everything is contained in that book. That's not my intention to embarrass you. No, actually it is. And I hope I've embarrassed you thoroughly. Say I have... Good, now I'm kind of smiling at you, yeah? Sit down, please, everybody. From next week onwards, I want every one of you who comes to one of my classes to carry his Bible or her Bible with them. We're going to do a check at the door, and if you don't have a Bible, <laughs> we're not going to let you in. Trust me. Trust me when I say I'm serious. I'm going to move the world. And I cannot do it except with people who want to move the world with me too. And I cannot do that unless every person over here has a hunger for the word. 
And that hunger can be seen only if they're carrying the word with them and they meditate over it day and night, just like Jesus says, you should. And then he says, anyone who meditates on my word day and night, I will bless them. They will be prosperous. They will be successful. For the longest time, we have been trying in this ministry to bless you without you being infilled with the word of God, have totally saturated by the word of God. So what you're going to do is you're going to carry this little book. Men, please don't carry pink. Uh, carry pink if you want. I've seen men drive pink cars in Dubai. Carry that word with you. Read that word constantly. Let it become part of your life. So that whenever anyone tells you something, you can immediately refer to the word of God. When this preacher said what he said about tithes, the first thing I did was go and check what the word of God said to see whether what he said was true or not. Paul said the Barians were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because having listened to what Paul said, they went and examined the scriptures to verify that what he said was actually in scripture. Don't listen. I've told you this before. I'm telling you again. Don't believe any preacher who stands in front of you here or anywhere else, not even me. But go home and make sure that the words that I said are true. Make sure that these words are true because it has to be God who's saying them to you and not the preacher standing in front of you. It's all about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus says to you. And I'm telling you, I know Jesus. I know my God. And if you want to be blessed, you just keep your side of the bargain because Jesus says, you do what I ask you to do and I will do what I say I will do. You honor my commandments and I will honor the covenant that I made with you. This is not a one-sided covenant. It's not only I'm the one who's supposed to do all these things whereas you get away with anything you want. It doesn't work like that. You do your part of it. I will do my part of it and together we're going to do awesome things together. <laughs> All of you own Bibles, no? Please say you do. You're going to go home and you're going to take it out. Wherever you've hidden it, you're going to dust it. You're going to kiss it. And then what are you going to do? Put it back. You're going to keep it with you and you're going to carry it with you wherever you go. And I wasn't kidding. I need you to understand this. I really need you to understand this. God is really growing this entire ministry. He's really doing marvelous things in our lives. But it's all going to, be do, it's all going to happen because we really do what God wants us to do. So next week, if you don't have Bibles, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to keep a stack of Bibles over there. But each Bible is going to cost you 500 bucks. Right? So you either get one of your own or you buy one from that. But otherwise, you don't get to come in. Now, you might say, I'm going to keep people away. I'm telling you, the contrary is going to happen. Next week, we're going to have at least 20% more people than were there today. <clears throat> say after me. Psalms 48, 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Praise the Lord.
A wise man once said, give a person a fish and you feed him for one day. Teach him to fish and you will feed him for a lifetime. And I've realized that for the most part, over so many years, what I've been doing is giving you fish to eat. And it's all very good for you. But it doesn't help you to do what God wants you to do, which is to make sure that you have enough fish for a lifetime. And when you know how to fish, you can feed other people as well, right? Which is why I asked all of you to carry your Bibles with you. And those of you who are hoping I wouldn't talk about it, you're out of luck. So all those who are carrying Bibles, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I'm going to ask you to raise them in the, in the air. High up in the air. All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to turn you into a people of the word. Because people of the word are people of power. Say people of the word are people of power. And I am going to be a person of the word. And a person of power. And that comes from that word, that book that you guys are carrying with you. Now God wants us to be blessed. Do you believe that? Where does it say it in scripture? How about Jeremiah? 29.11. Somebody tell me what it says. Open your Bibles and read it. All right, okay. Who, who got it? You have it? Okay. Read it out to everybody. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. Read it again. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring... alone knows the plans he has for you. What plans are these? Read. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to give you prosperity and not disaster. Disaster. Continue. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. Plans to bring about the future you hope for. Thank you. What Bible is that? Never mind, it's a good Bible. <clears throat> God wants to bless us. God wants to bring us prosperity. God wants to give us every good thing there is to give. But we cannot get that and he cannot give us that unless we do what God asks us to do. And what is that he asks us to do? Open your Bibles to Joshua 1.8. Somebody from this side. Okay. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous 
and then you shall be successful. Thank you. Let me say it for you. Keep the word of the law on your lips, which means you have to proclaim this word constantly. Then he continues and says, meditate upon it day and night. Meditate upon it day and night. Then what does he say? So that you may be careful, careful, careful to continue to act in accordance with everything that is written in scripture, then you will be prosperous and blessed. It all comes down to the word of God. It all comes down to what is contained in that book that many of us have never opened. It all comes down to the words that you hear, but very often don't obey. And I want to take you to James before I move forward. I'm going to read it from my Bible, from my notes. Listen to me carefully. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Okay, let me read it to you, just like James writes it. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself, so make fools of yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is the word of the Lord. For too long have we been hearers of the word. For too long have we only listened. For too long have we only read. From now on, we're going to become doers of the word. Say, I am going to become a doer of the word. I am not going to merely listen, but I am going to do. Why? Because, say because, I want to be blessed. God promises to guide us, and fortunately there are many ways in which God guides us. Last week I spoke briefly about the five ways in which God guides us. Today I'm going to expand on every single element a little more. God guides us, one, through his commanding scripture. Say commanding scripture. scripture. Two, compelling spirit. spirit. Three, common sense. sense. Four, counsel of saints. saints. Five, circumstantial signs. Going to look at commanding scripture again. I know I spoke about it last week, but we're going to look at it again. Whenever God tells us to do something, I don't know if you've noticed, but he doesn't give you a choice. He doesn't say, please, if you feel like doing it, you may do it. And if you don't feel like doing it, don't do it. Nowhere. 
Whenever God asks us to do something, it is in form of a command. He says, do it, or he says, don't do it. The consequences of doing it are blessings. The consequences of not doing it are a denial of blessings or a lack of blessings. Now very often, most of us, all of us, have been very selective about the commands of God we want to follow. And I was honest enough to make an admission that I myself have broken commandment number three. What does that commandment say? Keep the Sabbath day holy, which means do not work on the Sabbath day. Now, I am an evangelist. I'm a minister of God's word. I preach the kingdom of God, and whatever I do is for God, even on the Sabbath day. And for the longest time, I kind of fooled myself. Listen to the words. Fooled myself in thinking I could get away with it. Why? Because I'm doing God's work. So what if it is the Sabbath? But then I thought about it and I said, if one day I have to stand before God and justify my actions, what am I going to say to God? God, I was only doing your work. He said, I didn't ask you to work seven days in a week. I asked you to rest on the seventh day. And because you have not honored that, you have not honored me. And because you have not honored me, there are consequences. Now I'm going to tell you what these consequences are. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let me repeat that. Scary words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he continues. On that day, many will say to me, but Lord, did we not heal the sick in your name? And did we not drive out demons? But I will say to them, away from me, you evildoers. And I couldn't help but think if I was there in front of God, having worked for God, God just might say that to me. It wasn't enough what you did. Saying, Lord, Lord, healing the sick, driving our demons, preaching my word, but not obeying what I asked you to do. Are you listening to me? We cannot, we cannot, and we must not continue living in disobedience Continue walking in untruths. Continuing to pick and choose whatever God asks us to do. We need to do every single thing that he asks us to do. And unfortunately, we can't do that if we don't know what it is he says, can we? Which is why all those of you who are holding your Bibles in your hands, raise them one more time. This is not to embarrass those who haven't got their Bibles. I believe next week everybody will have their Bibles with them. Wow, look at that. Take a look around you. Keep those hands up in the air. All those who are sitting down, put your hands together for them. <laughs> Strangely, there are preachers sitting over here who are not carrying their Bibles. 
preachers in our ministry. And when I rebuke them, the rebuke is particularly severe. Because obedience is for everybody, especially for those who preach the gospel message to others. Is everybody with me? The second thing, the second way that God guides us is through his compelling spirit. And I want to ask you, and be honest with me, all those who are carrying your Bibles with you, what happened? Last week, God spoke to you, didn't he? And he compelled you to carry your Bibles with you, didn't he? That is how the Spirit works within us. Now, once again, I'm telling you, those who haven't carried your Bibles today, don't feel too bad, okay? You haven't carried Bibles for years, and to suddenly start expecting everyone to carry Bibles is nothing short of a miracle. But we are seeing a miracle over here, right? And next week, I believe that every one of you will carry your Bibles. Why? Because you will be compelled by the Spirit of God. Now, how does the Spirit of God compel people? If you look at Scripture, Jesus was once compelled by the Spirit to go into the desert to be tempted by the devil. You will find Scripture actually says these words, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. All of us need to be compelled by the Spirit. All of us need to be led by the Spirit. But how is the Spirit going to lead us if we can't hear His voice? Now Jesus talks to all of us. Trust me, he does. And how does he talk to us? He talks to us through his, raise that Bible again. He talks through us through that. John 10, 27. Somebody read. Those of you who are not carrying Bibles, you can, you, can, you, can, you can cheat and you can sneak a look into the person next to you. Okay. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Thank you. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I want to draw your attention to four children who refuse to go for kids' ministry. Okay? Why? Because they want to be with the big people, and they want to listen to the word of God proclaimed. What is your name? And how old are you? And you? Jonathan. Jonathan, and how old are you? 11. 11 years old. And you? Aaron, and how old are you? Leron, Leron, okay. How old are you, Leron? Five years old. Why are you here? Never mind, don't answer that. And you? Bianca, and how old are you? 10 years old, wow. We used to have all the children here. This is for the newcomers wondering what kids are. Oh, i got one kid over there. How old are you? And I see another child over there. How old are you? Okay, never mind, never mind. And I see one child over here. How old are you? Ten. Ten, okay. <laughs> we have to be like little children. Because you know one more thing about children is that they are very obedient. Children are very easily led. And if we need to be led by God, we need to be like little children, understanding that we're dependent on God for everything. Do you agree? 
Now we find many times in scripture that the spirit is leading Jesus. And right through his life we find that the spirit has led Jesus in doing the things that God has asked Jesus to do. When I say God, I mean the Father. On one notable occasion, everyone was worshiping God. You know, and this happened after Jesus had gone upstairs to heaven. And while they were worshiping God, the Spirit spoke to the apostles, telling them what they needed to do. And when we worship God, and when we commune with God, and when we kind of get into relationship with God, we will find that the Spirit speaks to us constantly and continuously. This also is because of a promise that Jesus made. John 14, 15, 16, and 26. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what God commands. Here again, you come to listening to God, obeying his commands. And Jesus says, because you want to obey me, I will go to my father and I will ask him to send you another counselor. And this counselor, the spirit of truth, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. But the spirit can't remind us of anything that Jesus said if we don't know what Jesus has said, right? So what I want you to do now, from now on, wake up every morning and before you have your breakfast, open the Bible, take a passage Read that passage and through the day, meditate upon it. Pick up any passage from the Gospels. Listen to what Jesus says to you. And through the day, just think over and over and over again about what Jesus is saying. Once again, this is because of the advice in Joshua 1.8. Meditate on the law day and night. On the way home today, okay? And the reason I'm telling you to do this is because just yesterday I have my friend Quinita who said we used to come for your meetings and you know what? Before we reached home, we forgot everything you said. She was being honest, don't you think? Because most of you, you come for these meetings and before the next morning comes, you have forgotten every word that was spoken because you don't live according to anything that was spoken to you the previous night. And I couldn't help but thinking, what a waste. But then Quinita also said something else. She said, over the past 10 days, my life has been changing. Why? Because for the last 10 days, Quinita has been coming for Bible study every single evening listening to the word of God, meditating upon the word of God, living the word of God, and this is what is changing her life. And I am convinced, I am totally convinced that the only way we're going to be changed and the only way we're going to be blessed is if we have the word of God deeply embedded in our hearts. I know a lot of people didn't like it when I told them last week that I'm not going to let them through the door if they weren't carrying their Bibles. I know. But fortunately, everybody is still here. For me, I didn't mind that people were upset. Because what I care about is that people benefit by coming over here. They don't just come here for, what? To get free sermons? To get free food? Is that the reason you're here? I want people to come here because their lives are impacted by what they hear. I want people to come here because they want to change not only themselves, but they want to change the world around them. 
I want people who come here to be really want to be blessed by God. And I'm convinced the only way we're going to be blessed is if we have the word of God deep within us. Not because I say so, but because the word of God says so. Meditate on the word day and night and you will be blessed. Amen? Amen. The spirit is going to compel you. The Spirit is going to compel you when you go home tonight to open that Bible and to start reading it. That's the guidance that God is going to give you. But you have to be open. You have to be of a mind of God. You have to want to grow closer to Him. You have to want to be blessed. If you don't want, there is nothing the Spirit can compel you to do any more than I can compel you to do anything, including bring your Bibles here for the meetings. Now we move on to the third CS. By the way, I hope you realize that every one of them starts with C and the second word is S, right? What's the third CS? Common sense. How many of you have common sense here? Raise your hands. Nobody has common sense. Only the kids have common sense here. Common sense is not common. Actually, that is very true. Common sense is very rare. No, actually, that is not true. All of us have common sense, right? All of us know when we're presented with choices what we need to do, right? God has given us this. Some of us call it a conscience. Have you heard of a conscience? And most of the time, we know what we need to do without having anyone tell us, not even God. Because it is that programmed within our hearts and minds that what we're doing is wrong. How do we exercise common sense? See, a lot of us know what is in the Bible. The Bible has general rules for everything. The Bible has general rules about families. The Bible has general rules about parenting. The Bible has general rules about behavior. The Bible has general rules about sexual morality. The Bible has general rules that cover just about everything. Yes, no. Now, you don't really need the Bible to tell you everything, do you? Because you know very often what you need to do. Now, unfortunately, some of us take this common sense very stupidly, you know? Like, for instance, let us imagine you're about to get married. How many of you are about to get married? Raise your hands. No one's raised. Oh, okay, some of you are about to get married, okay? I'm not going to ask you any questions, my brother. Uh, he's heaving a sigh of relief. There are two women you have to choose from, okay? And there's one woman you're greatly attracted to, and there's another woman you're not attracted to. What does your common sense tell you? To get married to the one you don't like, right? Because you might need to make a sacrifice for God, right? Somebody correct me. Your common sense should tell you that the person you're attracted to is the person that God might have placed in your heart a feeling for if, if you do not contradict what God asks you to get in a spouse. For instance, if God says, do not pick somebody not of your faith, and this person you're very attracted to happens to be out of your faith, then you have a little bit of a problem, don't you think? But that is what we need to keep in mind. That you cannot disobey God and expect to get away with it. 
Now, I know that there are a few people over here who have married outside the faith. If you've done that, think of this as an opportunity to show the other person of how much God loves them, okay? So I'm not condemning anyone who's married outside the faith. But if you're not married and you're in a relationship and you have a choice of getting married to somebody within the faith or outside the faith, let me tell you once again what God says. God says, don't do it. What does God say? What do you want to do? Do what you want to do or do what God wants you to do? Do you see the problem? Oh, but God, I love that person so much. I have to disobey you because I don't love you even half as much. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that why we disobey God? Which is why God tells us, love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love me with all your soul. Because when you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, you will do what pleases God. But if you don't love God with all your heart, in fact, if you love your friend with all your heart, then who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to your friend. And all your friend needs to do is kind of bat her eyelids and say, please marry me. And you will say, okay, darling, I will marry you because I love you with all my heart. You know what I'm saying? We are very often offered choices. Some of the choices are major choices, and we have to use all five guiding methods that we're talking about now. Some are easy choices that just a little common sense will help you out with. Let me illustrate. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you lie here? Raise your hands. My goodness, I don't want to see. I, I, I don't. For liars, you're very honest people. You know that, yeah? <laughs> Oh, oh, dear me. I mean, um, have you heard of Selfridge Department Store in London? Yes, Selfridges, right? Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't heard of it. The owner of Selfridges is a guy called Gordon Selfridge. Okay, and one day he had an employee, I, I think Gudo or Guido or something his name was. Guido received a call asking for Gordon Selfridge, and Gordon Selfridge happened to be in the same room. And Gordon Selfridge didn't want to talk to this guy, so he said, tell him I'm out, tell him I'm out. How many of you have done that? Don't raise your hands, don't raise your hands! Don't, 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 I am, ooh. So Gordon Selfridge told him, say I'm out. So Guido passed the phone to him and said, I'm not saying you're out, you say you're out. Gordon Selfridge got very mad. No? Haven't, wouldn't you get mad? I mean, I'll tell you the situation in your house, right? Your wife answers the phone and you don't want to talk to the person, so you tell your wife, I'm not at home, I'm not at home. <laughs> and your wife passes the phone to you and says, you're not at home, you tell the person you're not at home. <laughs> What's going to happen to you? you anyway, right? Gordon Selfridge is very upset. You know, he kind of, he, he, he threw a fit. And Guido, whatever his name is, I think he got his name wrong, but it's not important. He turned to Selfridge and he said to him, if I lie for you, I will also lie to you. And I'm not going to do that. And because of his words that day, this man was tremendously blessed. Why? Because every time somebody needed someone they could trust, they went to Guido.
So here you see how obedience to God's law results in blessings. Whereas disobedience to God's law means what? Everyone is going to look at you as a liar and no one's going to trust you. Even when you speak the truth, nobody is going to trust you. But they know that if you can speak the truth at all times, regardless of the problems it will get you into, because very often speaking the truth is dangerous, you will be blessed for it. Okay? Um, is my wife here? Okay, I'll tell you the story next week. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> common sense. <laughs> you have to be very careful about what you say <laughs> when your spouse is listening to you. Yes, no. Um, I would love, love to do that, but I don't have time. <laughs> I really don't have time. It's a good story, but I'll tell it to you another time. And I have my wife's permission, and she's heard this story before, but... <laughs> we come to point number four, which is... Council of Saints. Who are the saints? All those guys have died and gone up to heaven and are on pedestals and you go pawing them all the time when you go to church. Those are saints. Say, say that loudly. Say it louder. Everybody say it. We are saints. Why? Because the word saint means set apart. And every one of us who believes in Christ has been set apart. Why are we set apart? Because the word of God says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. By that price, God has purchased us. He has made us holy. He has made us pure. Everybody got that? So when Paul is talking about, when we're looking at counsel of the saints, we basically need the counsel of one another. And very often what happens is we think we know everything. Have you ever gone driving with a man who's lost? You know? No, your husband is driving and, and he's lost the way. And you think he can stop his car and ask for directions? No, no, I know the way. And he will get lost further, more and more and more. Have you ever had a husband like that? Yes, thank you very much. Is that your husband? Okay. Um, every husband is like that. What does it cost us to seek advice from somebody who might know better? Proverbs says a lot of things about those who don't seek advice. They, basically, Proverbs calls them fools. Because only a fool thinks he knows everything. Whereas the wise guy knows there is a lot of things that he does not know. And when he does not know something, he seeks the guidance, he seeks the advice of those who know. Now all of us who are in the spiritual journey hopefully have one person that we can trust to go to for advice. If you don't have someone you can go to for advice, find somebody. But it's not only the living saints we need to look at. We also need to look at 
people in the past, people from the church, the Holy Father, the early church fathers. Many times when we're reading the Word of God, we start to get this, this, this tremendous insight about the Word of God. And instead of seeing, what do other people say? No, this is what God is saying to me. Here also we need to exercise some common sense. That people who are teaching us the faith, people who have been in the church, they've studied and studied and studied. They've spoken about this. They have discussed this. They've conferenced this. They have established the truth after much study. And it would be good for us before we come to any conclusions to seek their advice. And this is what I want all of us to get into the habit of doing. You don't know how many times I've saved myself from a mess simply because I called the people in the office. Because I happen to be this very impulsive guy. I get an idea, I want to do it. Right then, right, right now. But I've, I've learned, these are things that you learn. I've learned to stop doing that. So before I take any decision, I call everybody. I'll say, look, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? The very fact that I'm asking them for advice is enough kind of to put a break on things. And they start to tell me what they think. And believe it or not, most of the time, the advice that we get from others is really good advice. Try it and see. Especially when you're driving and you get lost. And finally, we come to number five, which is circumstantial signs. <clears throat> Despite these four methods that I just spoke about, there are times when we just do not know what to do. What we need to do is trust that God will show us the way. And very often what I do, my simplest method is to say, God, there are many doors I can walk through, close all the doors except the one that you want me to walk through. Now the problem with this is you need to trust God. You need to do what? Which means if he closes all the doors and leaves one open, you need to walk through that door. There are so many people I know who have lost their jobs in Dubai. Not recently. They've lost their jobs months ago. They've lost their jobs years ago. And what are they doing? They're still waiting in Dubai for God to show them the direction he wants them to move in. Common sense? No, nothing. No common sense. Nothing here. They prayed to God, God, where do you want me to be? I will go wherever you ask me to go. Two years ago, they lost their job because God might not want them to be here. God might want them to be somewhere else. But they don't get the picture. And they will remain here and remain here and remain here going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt simply because they're unable to understand that God might want them somewhere else. I want you to consider this for a moment, okay? I mean, just think about it for a moment. How many of you tell God, God, I want your will for my life? I know most of you do. Don't raise your hands. You'll just embarrass yourself. You say, God, I want your will for my life. God tells you, I don't want you in Dubai. I want you back in Bombay. You're not listening. God tries to tell you through other people. If you seek their counsel, you're not listening. God gives you signs through his word. You're not listening. So what does God finally do? He makes you lose your job. 
Because that is the only way he hopes that you will get the picture that he doesn't want you here. He wants you somewhere else. But you still don't get it. Circumstantial signs. Do you see what I'm saying? God is constantly trying to guide us. And what I want us to do from now on is to be open to his guidance. To be really open to his will. And it's not always easy to listen to him because he asks us to do some very difficult things. Now I'm going to tell you my story and uh, how God has used all these five methods to bring me to where I am today. Do I have your permission to talk about myself? You know that I'm a missionary today, okay? Today, I mean, you look at me and you see I have a very established mission, very established ministry. But what you need to realize is 14 years ago, I had nothing. All I had was this jail experience that I came out from. And all I had was this faith in this God. First came the command. I read Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and all of you know what that says. Go make disciples of all nations. And I felt that pumping in my heart that God was speaking to me. As I kept reading the word, I kept hearing more and more things. Unless a man leaves everything he has and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. And he went on and on like that. And every time I read a verse like that, I felt something in my heart stir. Now you come to common sense. I have a wife. I have two children. What kind of an idiot will leave his wife and children and go out into the wilderness not knowing what to expect there? Are you seeing what I'm saying? So what do I do? I go and seek the counsel of saints. I go to my spiritual director and I tell him, I just feel this compelling spirit. That's the compelling spirit. Constantly urging me to leave everything and follow Jesus. To go out and make disciples of all nations. What should I do? My spiritual director was a very wise man. He spoke to me. He showed me the pros. He showed me the cons. And he said, if God is really calling you, I think you should go. But ask God for a sign. Circumstantial sign. So I told God, okay, I'm going to follow you. But what I need is for someone to come and tell me that you are calling me to mission. And it has to be someone that I haven't spoken about mission at all. And then I told him, it'll be very nice if you could do this this week. So I know it really is you. Before that week was over, he sent not one person. He sent three people who told me, I think God is calling you to a mission. Do you see how these four things come into play? For important decisions in your life, you have to exercise all the five CSs. For the smaller decisions in your lives, the day-to-day -day decisions, you can exercise one or two. But for every major decision, you need to exercise all five of them. Can we review them one more time? First, commanding scripture. Two, compelling spirit. Three, common sense. Four, counsel of the saints. Five, circumstantial signs. Switch that off. Off. Okay, one. Wow. Two. Don't show. Two. Three. Four. Five. Bravo. I want to clap for you now. <laughs>
What does Joshua 1.8 say? No, no, begin from the beginning. Don't give me halfway, meditate on, yeah. Now, open your Bibles, read it. Joshua 1.8, I want all of you to memorize this before you leave here. Let me say it to you, okay, word for word. Say Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law. Always on your lips. Which means what? It's got to be there ready to talk. You're going to forget it unless you find somebody to say this to before the night is over. Okay, which means on your way home, you're going to memorize this and memorize it. And the moment you reach home, you're going to call up and you're going to call a friend and say, listen, I got some news for you. And the friend is going to say, what news? Listen carefully. Say Joshua 1.8. Not you, you tell your friend. <laughs> Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We'll do it one more time. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Say, then I will be prosperous and successful. Because I... I'm going to meditate on scripture day and night. Amen. Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.